Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, folks. Good to be back. How's it going, Randy? Uh, it's going all right. How are you? Uh, pretty good. It's like a million degrees. I feel like maybe we're in the episode Desert Crossing um, <laughs> here in the Bay Area. I'm sure it's pretty nasty there, too. Uh, it cooled off this past weekend, but it's going to get warm again. Oh, okay. So you sent you sent the heat down here, kind of like uh, the Neutronic Storm from uh, our last episode. Mm-hmm. It's making its way. Yeah. Let's see if we can survive it and not get our ship boarded by... Uh, by aliens. Uh, yeah, speaking of heat, this episode we're going to talk about is all about heat. Yeah, it seems to be kind of a recurring theme mm-hmm. uh, on, on Enterprise. They're always talking about, I think uh, last episode, um, Topal talked about being basically stranded on a desert planet as part of her training and, and left to fend for herself for like 10 days. Um, and now we're going to be, this, on our first episode we watch. Uh, for this, we're going to be visiting another desert world. So, sounds like they're pretty pretty common in the in the world of Trek. Yeah, yeah. Any excuse to get trip shirt off, I guess. Oh, so any uh, anything uh, interesting been going on? Anything Trek related? Uh, nothing Trek related. Uh, I got a little sick over the weekend, so I didn't really get to much stuff. I still haven't finished off Search for Spock, and it's not because I don't like Search for Spock. It's just I, d- I haven't had any time. Yeah, you were you were searching for a way to feel better. Yeah, so that was more important at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. Um, I was thinking maybe like Doctor Flox could have used some of his leeches on you. Yeah, I would have welcomed that. <laughs> Anything. Pretty much. Yeah. So uh, now, I mean, I'm just getting uh, getting excited about a little less than a month from now. Uh, we're going to be going to the latest uh, San Jose Super Toy Show. Yeah. So uh, we'll be hitting that together um, and hopefully going to find some awesome new truck stuff. Yeah, we um, always find uh, good deals there, so... Yeah, I mean that's the running theme. I mean you did, then I went with you, and I found like my my Darmok uh, figure and my my uh, oh my my prized possession, my Guinan. <laughs> like I've got Barclay, uh, the guy, the captain from the Darmok episode, and Guinan. So hoping to add to that uh, next time. Uh, maybe find a Flox. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, you want to just get into those episodes? Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. All right, let's start off with Star Trek Enterprise, Season 2, Episode 13, Dawn. Uh, original air date, January 8th, 2003. Yeah, we're in 2003. Yeah, almost uh, when we met up for the first time. Yeah, getting well, pretty close. like a year later, but whatever. <laughs> uh, the episode begins, Trip is in a shuttle pod, testing an autopilot upgrade. The shuttle pod is flying near a gas giant that has dozens of moons. Uh, Archer calls from the Enterprise and tells him that a small vessel is approaching. Uh, Trip gets into the pilot seat and tries hailing the ship, but it starts shooting at him. Uh, Trip sends out a distress call to the Enterprise as the ship descends to a moon below. Uh, as the opening credits, when the episode comes back, the Enterprise crew is looking for Trip. On the bridge, Reed tells Archer that he detected weapons fire before they lost contact with Trip's shuttle pod. Uh, there's heavy interference from selenium isotopes on the nearby moons, 
uh, Tabal explains. And to further complicate matters, there are 62 moons that Trip could be on. Meanwhile, on one of the 62 moons, uh, Trip exits the shuttle pod. It's nighttime. Uh, Trip sustains some small injuries, which he takes care of using a first aid kit. The shuttle pod is too damaged to fly. Uh, his first order of business is getting the transceiver working so that he can contact Enterprise. Uh, Trip sits by a fire and starts working on the transceiver. It is clearly a cold planet. Uh, Trip hears some movement nearby, so he goes to check it out with a flashlight and a metal pole. Uh, apparently, he doesn't have a phase pistol on him. Yeah, he he made the mistake of leaving an Enterprise without a face pistol. Yeah. For the last time. Well, maybe they learned from when Reed accidentally brought a face oh, pistol. Oh, yeah, and uh, and left a communicator. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, as Trip is investigating, a figure comes out of the shadows and starts firing at him. Uh, Trip retreats to the shuttle pod, but he notices that the alien stole his transceiver. Uh, elsewhere, the Enterprise is being followed by an Arconian military vessel. The Arconians hail Enterprise and tell them to leave immediately. Uh, the captain, Katan Shar, tells Archer that he has orders to destroy any ship that violates the Arconians' territory. The Arconians and Vulcans have had interactions in the past. Uh, Archer explains that they're looking for Trip and will leave once they find him. Uh, Captain Shar says that he had ordered a patrol ship to intercept the shuttle pod, but he lost contact with it. So Archer suggests that he and Shar work together to look for their missing crewmen. Uh, Archer is always trying to work with other aliens. Yeah, I mean, even if they're not good guys, he's, he always likes to see you know the bright side. I guess. Yeah. Uh, back on the moon, Trip has found the Arconian's campsite. He slips as he's walking towards it, which kicks up some dust and reveals a laser beam. Trip can't approach the campsite, uh, but he does see the Arconian with the transceiver, so he goes back to the shuttle pod. Back at the shuttle pod, Trip tells his log recorder that he wants to work with the Arconian, but he doesn't have a universal translator with him. Mm. Uh, the one bit of good news is that dawn is coming. Good news? Hmm. Well, okay. I mean, it's very cold for him right now. True. So true. he's looking forward to getting some warmth. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Trip doesn't have anything. No face pistol. No universal translator. Yeah, uh, like I said, things that they're probably going to correct from now on. <laughs> like, even if you think you're just going out to test a new autopilot system in a shuttle... You're going to be taking everything. Yeah. You never know. Always be prepared. Yeah. It's the new motto of Starfleet. Uh, at the Arconian's campsite, the Arconian is frustrated with the transceiver. He hears Trip speaking to him from somewhere. Uh, Trip is explaining that he's coming out into the open and is not armed. The Arconian goes off to where Trip is speaking, but it turns out it was a diversion as Trip sneaks in and grabs the transceiver. The Arconian is looking for Trip and discovers the audio device. Uh, the Arconian immediately turns around and runs back towards the campsite. At the campsite, Trip is still working on the transceiver. The Arconian is in such a hurry to get back uh, that he trips his own alarm. Uh, Trip hears it and flees, leaving the transceiver behind, just in time to avoid the Arconian. 
The Arconian is still suspicious and investigates the immediate vicinity. Uh, Trip pops out of the shadows, knocking the Arconian down and grabbing his weapon. Trip doesn't shoot, however, because he's trying to explain that he just wants the transceiver. But the Arconian knocks Trip down, grabs his pistol, and shoots Trip. Uh, later, the Arconian is still working on the transceiver. He violently wakes Trip up. Uh, Trip yells that he can't understand what the Arconian is saying, and he can't fix the transceiver because it's broken. Uh, Trip works out that the Arconian wants Trip to fix the Arconian's transceiver. Uh, T'Pol enters Archer's ready room and tells them that they've searched five moons and couldn't find anything. The Arconians haven't found anything either, and they don't trust Enterprise because T'Pol is a Vulcan. Uh, turns out the Vulcans made first contact with the Arconians a hundred years ago, and whereas humans accepted Vulcan guidance, the Arconians were suspicious and deceitful. Uh, Archer hopes that humans will have better dealings with them. Back on the moon, Trip is working on the transceiver while the Arconian watches. The Arconian picks up some English by repeating Trip's damn it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing you learn is the swears, right? Yeah, right. Uh, Trip properly introduces himself, and the Arconian introduces himself as Zokan. Uh, Trip asks for water because it's getting hot. Zokan gives him a canteen filled with some liquid that Trip hates. <laughs> but is precious to Zokan. <laughs> He's like, oh, how dare you spill it? Yeah. Uh, Trip wants to go back to his shuttle pod to get some water, but Zokan says no. Later, At least what we think is no. <laughs> well, he is not allowing Trip to leave. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, later, Trip is still working on the transceiver. It's clearly getting warmer as Trip is now in his tank top and is sweating. Uh, as Trip is trying to pull something, he falls and cuts his arm open. Zokan spits on the wound like a cobra, and the wound is healed. Yeah, that was super creepy. <laughs> uh, Trip shows Zokan a panel, but it was a trick to temporarily blind Zokan and grab his weapon. Trip can't fix Zokan's ship, and he needs to go back to the shuttle pod. Now Trip orders Zokan to pick up the transceiver and head to the shuttle pod. On the Enterprise, Paul shows Archer a thermokinetic analysis of the moons. At night, the temperature on the moons can drop to 5 or 10 degrees below zero. During the day, however, the temperatures can reach 170 degrees. Uh-uh. On the moon, a trip has tied up Zokan. He offers Zokan some food. Uh, but the food is not to Zokon's liking. <laughs> it seemed like he was trying to trick him again. Yeah. It's like, oh, what are you feeding me? <laughs> uh, Trip tries to explain that he's going to use the power supply from Zokon's transceiver to get his transceiver working. Later, Trip tries to send out a transmission, but there's too much interference because, as Trip reminds himself, igneous rock is heavy in diamagnetic minerals. Yeah, we all learned that in school. So. Of course. Who doesn't know that? Uh, he wants to move the transceiver to higher ground, but he'll need Zokan's help. To show that he means no harm, Trip tosses Zokan's blaster and unties Zokan. As soon as he's freed, however, Zokan attacks Trip and goes for his weapon. Uh, Trip gets the upper hand and points the pistol at Zokan, but Zokan spits in Trip's eyes. They continue to fight until they're both too tired to fight anymore. Uh, Trip once again throws the pistol away while Zokan is down. 
Later, the two seem to have agreed on uh, cooperating as they carry the transceiver and the power supply up a mountain. On the Enterprise, Hoshi has received a transmission. Back on the moon, Trip continues to record in his log, stating that it's been two hours since uh, they've begun signaling Enterprise without receiving a response. Uh, Trip is now completely shirtless, and he notes in his log that Zokan isn't doing too well because the Arconians can't sweat. The sun has begun coming out in full force, and uh, Zokan tries to retreat to some shade. And we we assume that Zokan, since he's kind of a reptile person, is cold-blooded? Yeah. So, not good. Uh, later, both Trip and Zokan are dying from the heat. Zokan has finished off the rest of his canteen. Suddenly, they receive a transmission from Hoshi. Uh, Trip tells Archer to not send a shuttle pod because there's something in the atmosphere that affects the engines. And Archer and the audience already knows it's the selenium isotopes. Uh, the selenium isotopes won't affect the uh, transporter, however. And Archer wants to beam both Trip and Zokan up. But Flox advises against it because transporting Zokan would likely be fatal. Uh, he's suffering from a cellular breakdown because of the dehydration. Uh, the Arconians have an extremely uh, sensitive endocrine system. Mm -hmm. So at least they brought up the idea of using the transporter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If this were a past episode, they'd just been totally ignored the transporter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Archer calls Trip and tells them that they can transport only Trip, but Trip won't leave Zocon behind. Trip suggests having the Arconians modify one of their ships to filter out the isotopes. Later, the transceiver has stopped working due to the heat. Uh, Trip tries to keep Zokan awake by pouring some water on him. He then drinks the rest of his water. Uh, Trip starts recounting some of his adventures as he's passing out. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we hear a lot from previous episodes. Uh, just then, an Arconian ship approaches. Uh, later, Captain Shar and T'Pol enter Archer's ready room. Archer tells Shar that both Zokan and Trip are doing well. Char says that he will discipline Zokan if he fired on the shuttle pod without provocation, but Archer says it was a misunderstanding. Uh, Char expects the Enterprise to leave the system immediately, as they agreed. Char then leaves, and Archer mentions to T'Pol that they won't be adding the Arconians to their list of friends. Uh, but T'Pol tells Archer that he had a better relationship with the Arconians in a single day than the Vulcans hmm. had in a century. Yeah, so points to Archer. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> His attitude of trying to work together is... Uh, is Actually good. paid off. Yeah. In Sick Bay, Trip checks in on Zokan. The Universal Translator is working. Uh, Zokan reminds Trip that he was promised some Tarot Ash, the brown stuff he was drinking. <laughs> the chocolate milk. <laughs> uh, as Trip leaves, Zokan says that he's grateful that he didn't destroy Trip's vessel when he fired on it. That makes two of us, Trip says with a smile, as the episode ends. Yeah. I actually think that that last bit where they kind of, where he says, Trip, you know, like he calls him by name. You know, he's like, I'm glad that, you know, I didn't destroy your ship when I shot it. I think that was one of the, the, the most, like, remem or most memorable moments, I'm sorry, of the episode. I was mm -hmm. about to say, I, I was about to say, uh, remembering full? 
And that's <laughs> definitely not. I must have been on that moon too long out in the sun. Yeah, your brain um, has been cooked. My, ba- my brain has been brain, my brain has been cooked. Um, so this is very reminiscent of um, episode I mentioned uh, in our preamble uh, about uh, Darmok. Um, you know, when uh, Picard goes down to the planet with the alien captain and they can't understand one another, but they have to work together. Um, it also kind of reminded me of, uh, not just because the alien was reptilian, uh, the movie, uh, Enemy Mine, mm-hmm. <laughs> where, where two, two opposing, uh, uh, two members of, uh, of opposing, uh, militaries, uh, one a human and one a non-human, um, have to kind of survive together. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a familiar story in science fiction. Yes, it's definitely not an original story. Um, but I think it was executed pretty well overall. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, you know, um, it was a trip episode. I mean, it was very much a trip episode. I don't feel like, uh, we got to hear much about kind of his backstory, but it was, you know, interesting to hear him, like you said, recounting his adventures. Uh, and there, it was interesting because there are adventures that we've seen. So we could kind of, you know, kind of think, oh yeah, I remember that. And, and then, he, he talks about the time he was pregnant. Yeah. Then you realize <laughs> that a lot of episodes are about trip. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, a lot of episodes are about trip or he's involved, you know, in, in as a main character. And I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. Cause trip's one of my favorite characters. Um, yeah. I think, I think it was interesting also that like we just mentioned, um, Archer's spirit of cooperation actually paid off for a change. Um, you know, we, we usually hear Captain Archer talk about, you know, his ideals and human ideals and how, how, th- how he thinks things should be. And very infrequently do they really work out that mm-hmm. way. Um, and this was a, actually a win for Archer, even though, you know, the, even though the alien captain was, you know, still kind of being a bit of a jerk, uh, as Topal pointed out, this is actually more progress than, a hundred plus years of Vulcan um, relations with them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, overall, I mean, it didn't, it didn't knock my socks off, but I thought it was a good little yarn, you sure. know, good diversion. Uh, a note, uh, this episode was directed by Roxanne Dawson. Oh yeah. I'm trying to remember what other episodes of um, Enterprise she's directed so far, but I want to say she's actually done some of the better ones. Um, Definitely not a night in sick bay. Was... As long as you're not involved with that episode. <laughs> that was that. No, that was not Roxanne. Uh, Roxanne Dawson. Um, no, she's uh, she's pretty capable, and you know she's actually involved in um, involved in a lot of current day sci-fi. Um, you know she's still making the rounds, so she may have left Trek, but she has not left. Um, She's not left sci-fi whatsoever. Actually, uh, it turns out she has actually directed, according to Memory Alpha, she's directed uh, 10 episodes of Enterprise. Wow. Uh, including um, some of uh, some of the better ones, the Andorian Incident, most, most uh, chiefly among those. Uh, that was a great episode. Uh, Dead Stop, um, the one with the living repair station. So, yeah, some cool episodes. And it looks like we've got another five or six still to come from her. 
So looking forward to it. Hey, no spoilers. Uh, hey, <laughs> I didn't read what they were about. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to make a little correction from last episode. We said oh. we had reached the halfway point, but now we've officially reached Fully. the halfway point. Yeah, what, what are we? We're at episode 13 with this one. Mm-hmm. And, and there are 26. 26. So we're season. about to cross over the halfway point when we come back. Right. Uh, yeah, we'll take a little break. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about stigma. Ooh. Wednesday on an all-new Enterprise, T'Pol carries a secret she cannot reveal. It's too great a risk. You're jeopardizing your reputation, your career. The Vulcans will do anything to discover it. High Command will decide whether she is fit for duty. Now it's only a matter of time. I'm not going to give you up without a fight. And we're back. Uh, let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 2, Episode 14, Stigma, original air date, February 5th, 2003. This is like a month later. Yeah, it must have gone on like a little bit of a hiatus. I guess so. I want to say that's the way things were back, uh, you know, back before, back in the back times. <laughs> when would, shows wouldn't necessarily have seasons. They would just have these hiatuses. Hiatuses? Um, or maybe it's like, you know how the they'll have like a break in a season of a current show. So maybe yeah, that's what Yeah, it, it still happens. You know, <laughs> I'm watching uh, Arrow or The Flash and they'll uh-huh. have one episode and then like a month later they'll show another one. Yeah, I just, I, that always kind of bugs me when you get though a show where you know i've actually seen it even where they have a season premiere and then they'll take like a week or two off yeah i was like what what was that about luckily um you know star trek was always pretty consistent i was gonna say luckily we don't have that problem with star trek but unfortunately the problem we have with star trek is there's no star trek right now (laughs) yeah but fortunately we have it in this entire series we didn't ever watch when it was on so it's almost like a new show yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's very, you know, it's, wow, it almost feels like it was made in the early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, season two, episode 14, uh, Stigma. Uh, no known star date for this guy, but, uh, we open, uh, on an exterior shot of Enterprise, as is pretty common. Uh, next we are inside. We're in sick bay with Dr. Flox. Uh, he's in sickbay with T'Pol, uh, and Fox is telling her that her neurolytic enzymes, uh, are higher than last month. Um, he tells her that the treatment is no longer effective. We're not quite sure what he's talking about, but this was actually alluded to in a previous episode. Um, he says that he's told her that it was only a matter of time before she would need some sort of supplemental medication. <clears throat> He says, the conference is a perfect opportunity. Some of your finest physicians will be there, uh, implying the Vulcans. Uh, he's, she tells him that it would be too big of a risk uh, that she might be taken off Enterprise. So we get the hint here that she's infected with something or has contracted some sort of disease. Uh, but Phlox tells to Paul in no uncertain terms, without further treatment, you could very possibly die. Yeah, see, here's the thing. T'Pol always acts like she's all about logic, and the logical mm-hmm. thing would be to reveal her condition. Yeah. And then be taken off Enterprise. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that recently T'Pol's been doing a lot of things and saying a lot of things that aren't necessarily very Vulcan. Yeah. <laughs> she's, we've definitely, I know for a fact, uh, in, in the past couple episodes even, mentioned how she said something that almost makes it sound like she's being emotional. Um, 
she says things like that would make me happy or some, you know, things along those lines. I mean, maybe she's just trying to, I mean, we, we actually learn that, um, in this episode, I believe that it's been almost a year since they left on their mission. So she's been around humans for a long time. Um, but yeah, I'd like to think, I mean, she's still super Vulcan-y, so I don't know why she didn't just <laughs> do the logical thing here. Sometimes she does, sometimes she doesn't. Yep. So we come back from the opening credits. Uh, we Captain Archer is speaking uh, about the fact that Enterprise is in orbit of a world called Dikendi 3, uh, where the interspecies medical exchange, of which Phlox, uh, we know, is a member, uh, is hosting a conference. Uh, They're also going to be picking up a neutron microscope. Uh, but more importantly, the crew of Enterprise is going to get to meet one of Phlox's three wives which we've heard about previously. Uh, next scene, uh, we have Archer, Tucker, uh, Trip, sorry, <laughs> and Phlox. Uh, they're talking about, um, they're waiting for the arrival, rather, of Phlox's wife. Uh, Phlox uh, reveals that he hasn't seen his wife, uh, whose name we learn is Feasel, in nearly four years. Um, but um, despite this, Denopulans are renowned for their patience, uh, we learn. Um so Fiesel arrives, um, and she greets Phlox, uh, and Phlox greets her with a, uh, I'm guessing a greeting custom <laughs> among Denobulans, which isn't to embrace or to kiss one another, but rather to sniff each other's faces. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, hey, I mean, Phlox is an alien. I mean, let's, let's have some alien customs, right? Well, at least they're not licking each other with their massive tongues. That's true. Um, but it's about to get uh, creepy here in a second. <laughs> uh, we learn that Fiesel is his second of his three wives. Um, and as um, the three of them, I guess the four of them at this point are partying, uh, she makes kind of a comment uh, about Trip, uh, kind of a, you know, well, hopefully we'll we'll see you later kind of comment. And then as he walks off, she turns to the camera and has one of those giant, creepy, flocks to smiles. <laughs> That kind of looks like the Grinch. Yeah, every woman has eyes for Trip, apparently. Yeah, Trip is is kind of like the, you know, you'd think Archer is supposed to be kind of the Kirk character, but I really think Trip is supposed to be kind of the Kirk character. Yeah, he's like he's like a combo of Kirk and Bones. Mm-hmm. I guess. All right. So um, next scene, we are down on the planet. Uh, it's the planet of bad CG, apparently. <laughs> Um, I made a note that maybe for the year 2003, that actually was good CG, but maybe mm, not. Probably not. I think it was just budget <laughs> CG. Yeah, yeah. It definitely looks like something from, you know, a PlayStation 2 game. Uh, <laughs> pre-rendered CG. Uh, Phlox is in a room meeting with three Vulcans, and they're discussing something called Panar Syndrome. Uh, he says that his colleagues on Denobula have been studying that disease since it is similar to something called thymic sclerosis, which affects Denobulans. Uh, you can tell he's, you know, trying to be sly here, but I don't know how good he's being <laughs> at it. Uh, um, we learn that Panar syndrome is unique to a small subculture of Vulcans, uh, and that this subculture's behavior in quotes, uh, in my quotes, you can't see them, is neither tolerated nor supported. And so here at this point, I'm, you know, kind of scratching my head what's going on here. Uh, he's trying to sell them on the idea of helping uh, with a cure for his, uh, you know, 
I guess it's a real disease, the the thymic sclerosis. Uh, so he's trying to get their help for this when we know it's really for uh, to Paul. Uh, he thanks them and leaves. Uh, back on uh, Enterprise uh, on, in the sick bay, Trip is uh, talking with Fiesel about the installation of the new super microscope that they picked up, um, and he's uh, very overwhelmed by the instructions. Um, this, I made a note, this scene gets very kind of uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> she's being, I mean, there's no doubting that she's being super flirty with him. Oh, yeah. And there's, you know, like, mentions of things like insert and pull out. And uh, I, I also made a note that she gets really close to him while she's talking. I said, wow, so close. <laughs> Um, and she said, you know, I may have to get in there really close to show you this. Uh, yeah. So, uh, that's happening. Uh, meanwhile, Archer and Paul are in his quarters eating breakfast. And I assume it's breakfast because there's a giant, uh, pitcher of orange juice. Right. Um, I also wanted to, to note whether or not anyone actually finished or ate any of their food. Because it usually seems that something happens and they end up, uh, having to leave before they finish their meal. Uh, so they're talking about flocks, uh, going down to the planet and, uh, speaking with the Vulcans. Um, and Archer's wondering, you know, this seems like it would be a good opportunity for her to go down and meet with some, you know, of her own people. And these are people that, you know, are members of the, the physician society, basically a Vulcan. And, you know, she's worked for the Vulcan science, uh, science division. So they might have some things to, to talk about. And she's clearly uncomfortable with this. Well, she shouldn't be because she's Vulcan, right? <laughs> At this point, Hoshi calls and tells them that a Vulcan ship is requesting you to dock with Enterprise. Uh, Hoshi, or uh, rather, Topal and Archer then leave at this point without finishing their meals. So there we go. Um, and Archer asks Topal what this is all about, and she tells him that she doesn't know. Which, of course, you know, we know isn't the truth. Yes. Hopefully. So next up, we see Archer, Topal, and the Vulcans sitting down in a conference room. And I was trying to remember, actually, if, if we've actually seen this room before. Um, I'm not quite sure if it this is a new room. It looked like a redressed mess hall. Okay, so it's but it's supposed to be a room we haven't seen before. Yeah, I believe so it's supposed to be just some general like conference room, room or something. Conference room. Okay. Uh, they say that they've come to speak with flocks, but they asked to Paul to remain in the room. Um, so flocks is there. Um, and they tell him that they're hesitant to uh, share data re- regarding Panar syndrome. Uh, Phlox asks why they've asked to Paul to stay. Um, and they ask, well, why didn't you discuss uh, Panar syndrome with her? She's, after all, a Vulcan on board your ship. Uh, they ask if she knows about Panar syndrome. And why, why do they, they want to know this? And uh, she recounts that it is an incurable degradation of the synaptic pathways uh, that also affects the endocrine system. Uh, and it is revealed that it is transmitted through a telepathic practice, the mind meld. Yeah, see, I don't know. They're making the mind meld out to be like this weird thing, but mm-hmm. like pretty much everyone who's watching this knows that Spock did mind meld. Yeah, and, like, right? Yeah. And and we've seen them before on here, so all of a sudden we're getting the sense that mind melds are not really common, and that mind melds are kind of weird, yeah. even to Vulcans. 
So, along those lines, uh, the Vulcans ask if DePaul condones mind melts, uh, and they want to know if she had anything to do with Phlox's request down on the planet. Uh, they ask her if she's familiar with any of the names that they uh, read off to her. Uh, and she says, well, they're Vulcan, but she's not familiar with them. It turns out these are the names of known melders. So, people who can mind melt. <laughs> they want to know if she knows any of these melders. And she says, well, not well, but I've met a number of them. Uh, they're really pressing her on this, um, and they let her know that the cure for, for Pinar syndrome is not a priority for them because they don't support this uh, subculture of Vulcans. Yeah. So, yeah, weirdness. Uh, they ask uh, to be shown to their ship, um, and once on board, it's revealed uh, while they're looking at a display that they are aware that T'Pol is suffering from Pinar syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in sick bay with Trip and Fiesel, the Trip and Fiesel show. Uh, she's showing Trip how to use the microscope. Um, he's amazed, uh, but he's he's amazed by the microscope. Uh, but he tries to do some things with it, and uh, he kind of well he calls the microscope the B word. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing he thinks that Fiesel might know what that means because he says, "No, not you," to her. Uh, Phlox is actually also in sick bay, uh, going over some things in the background, uh, at which point he chimes in, uh, to ask, uh, his wife about some other Denobulans that they both know. Uh, Fiesel's updating him, uh, it's basically alien gossip, Denobulan gossip. And I noted that relationships on Denobula sound very complicated. Yes. There's lots of, like, third, fourth wives, second husbands, just very complicated. It, it, their relationship statuses of Denobulans on Facebook must all just be it's complicated, more or less, right? Pretty much. Yeah. So, at this point, um, she starts to touch Trip. She puts her hand on his arm. Uh, and Phlox, even though he's there watching this happen, doesn't seem phased. Uh, Archer calls Phlox, and so he leaves. Uh, I made a note that Fiesel is kind of creepy. <laughs> She's very aggressive. She wants to make sure her her, her intentions are made apparent. To yeah. Trip. Okay. That's all. Yeah, okay. Maybe she's not creepy. She's just, you know, she just doesn't like to, to, to you know, really, like... She's very forward. Yeah, she's very forward. Yeah, and that's not always a bad thing, right? So in Archer's quarters, uh, T'Pol is there as Phlox enters. Uh, Archer says he wanted to see Phlox and T'Pol. He says that it's been a while since he's been embarrassed by a Vulcan dignitary, but we know it's definitely happened to him a lot (laughs) from past episodes. Uh, Archer spoke to Dr. Oret, um, who we learn was kind of the, the lead of the three doctors about the medical data that Phlox requested. Um, so it's pretty apparent at this point that Archer's onto them. Uh, he asks to Paul when she was going to tell him that she had contracted a serious illness. Uh, and he reveals that the Vulcans ran tests on the pad that she had held during their meeting. And that's how they know that she has contracted the Pinar syndrome. Uh, Phlox says he's known about T'Pol's disease for nearly a year, which is pretty impressive. Uh, Archer's basically pissed that neither of them told him. Uh, Phlox brings up 
the idea of doctor-patient confidentiality, and Paul chimes in to say that it's not contagious and that Archer couldn't have done anything anyways. Uh, he wants to know why they lied to the Vulcans, uh, and um, T'Pol tells Archer uh, that Pinar Syndrome carries a stigma on Vulcan. Oh, there so it is. We have the title. It carries a stigma, um, and that if the High Command learned that T'Pol was infected, she would most likely have lost her commission on Enterprise. Uh, so she explains... Uh, to Archer and the audience <laughs> that mind melding isn't something that every Vulcan can do, which actually was new information to me. Right. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I thought that, that it was just a Vulcan thing. All Vulcans could do it. Um, so it turns out from her, um, her information that the Vulcan crew they met back in season one, episode fusion uh, was part of this subculture. Um, T'Pol actually isn't one of the Vulcans that can mind meld, so we learn that as well. Uh, she, she is one of the Vulcans, or I guess the vast majority of Vulcans, who can't initiate a mind meld. Um, she admits that one of the men on the ship in the episode Fusion mind melded with her without her consent. And I noted that sounded creepy. I also, uh, I made a note that Apparently, just one mind meld can cause Panar syndrome, so it sounds pretty serious, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to learn a little bit about that in a minute, actually. Um, and then we also learned that Phlox has been banned from the conference, um, and Archer, of course, uh, being Archer, uh, says that he plans to get the data from the Vulcans somehow, if it can help to Paul. Uh, so... You know, he's going to do his archerly duty. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, Archer takes a shuttle to the Vulcan ship, where I noted there are potted plants. Uh, so it's kind of fancy, interior design. Uh, two, two of the three doctors that we met earlier greet him, uh, and he tells them that he knows what's going on. Uh, he wants to know why they won't share their research. Uh, they tell him that basically they don't like the Melders, they don't think they call them melders, but I think it's a pretty cool word. <laughs> so the uh, Vulcans go to leave. Uh, Archer tells them that if they're not going to help, at least they cannot tell the High Command about it. But they're basically not having any of that. Right. Uh, back on Enterprise, T'Pol is meditating in her quarters as someone calls her over the comms. Uh, it's Hoshi calling to tell her that there's a message uh, for T'Pol from the surface. Uh, we don't hear what that message is. Instead, we see T'Pol entering Archer's quarters. Uh, he asks her to have a seat. Uh, he apologizes and tells her that he didn't have much luck uh, with the, the Vulcans, and he doesn't think they're going to keep the High Command out of it. Uh, T'Pol then re uh, reveals to Archer that she received a call from Dr. Eurus. Uh, he's the youngest of the three doctors. He's asked her to meet him. Uh, and she thinks he wants to help. Archer's dubious about this whole situation, uh, but she tells Archer that Eurus has asked her to come alone. Uh, so, hopefully uh, hopefully he's going to help her out. Uh, down on the planet, uh, we see T'Pol uh, walking down a, a street with some, some alleyways looking for Dr. Eurus. Uh, he comes out of the shadows creepily. 
like a secret informant, uh, and he hands her a case containing the research that Phlox had been asking for. Uh, she asks uh, Eurus why he's doing this, and he says uh, that there's more intolerance among Vulcans today than there was a thousand years ago, and it needs to stop. And we also learn that, uh, not surprisingly, uh, Eurus is part of the minority that can mind meld. Mm-hmm. So he's also... Well, she's not part of the subculture, but he's part of the subculture that's being basically discriminated against and just left to die from this syndrome. So Dr. Yuris uh, goes on to explain to Paul that she might as well be part of the minority, because as far as the Vulcan mainstream is concerned, anyone who participates in a mind meld is part of this subculture. Uh, She reveals to Yuris that she was coerced into the mind meld, and he tells her that she should go to the high command and let them know that. Uh, she asks if he's infected with Pinar syndrome, and he reveals that only a small percentage of those who mind meld uh, contract the disease. So bad luck for her, basically. Yeah. She gets mind melded with mo- once, and she gets the disease. Uh, he says he has to return uh, to the other doctors, but urges her to tell them what happened before they get in touch with Vulcan High Command. Um, back on Enterprise, Hoshi and Trip are talking. Uh, Hoshi can't understand why anyone would want to stay on board and watch a movie when they're in orbit of, you know, a planet like the one below. Uh, Trip can't believe that she's, you know, having this reaction to movie night, which, you know, has been a running theme uh, of the show so far. <laughs> Always a popular night, apparently. Yeah, movie night's, movie night's a big deal. And it turns out that this week they're showing the film The Black Cat, starring Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi from 1934. <laughs> so so I, I looked this up. I looked up. I found that it is from 1934. Based on uh, the year 2152, if I'm right, 2151, 2152, that Enterprise is currently taking place in, that means that The Black Cat is a 218-year-old movie. That's what they're always about, watching ancient movies. I mean, so it's like a really, it's a real oldie at this point. Yep. Uh, Hoshi tells Trip she's going down to the surface, um, which I don't think we ever see her again, so we're going to assume that she did. Uh, so, uh, Fiesel, uh, comes in to the mess hall, um, and before, uh, Hoshi leaves, uh, Trip basically tries to get her to stay so that, you know, maybe Fiesel will think he's busy and won't come join him. Uh, but it's too late. Uh, Fiesel s- sits down. Uh, Hoshi starts speaking Denobulan to her, uh, and Trip, uh, says he's paranoid that they're talking about him and Denobulan. Uh, Hoshi jokes that they were. Uh, Fiesel starts rubbing Trip's leg with her foot. Yeah, she's a little too forward. <laughs> yeah, now you're, you're, you're finally crossing over to, yeah, she's, uh, she's a little too forward. Uh, Trip tells Fiesel that he's flattered, but says, you know, aren't you a married woman? Uh, and Fiesel replies, I'm a woman. That's all that matters, isn't it? Uh, Trip tries to leave, uh, when she says that she wants to also watch the movie. Uh, but he tells her it's a scary movie, and you would have to be human to appreciate horror movies. So, okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. All right, uh, in the gem, 
so we're getting to see the gem again. It's the gem! The gem is a common uh, hangout location for Enterprise crew members. Uh, we see Reed riding a stationary bike uh, as Trip enters. I made a note that Reed is not in this episode enough. <laughs> <laughs> and they start having kind of like a guy-to-guy talk about Fiesel. Uh, Reed, uh, who everyone knows, kind of, he's, he's definitely into the ladies. Oh, yeah. Uh, he says that he actually thinks she's quite attractive. Uh, Tripp says, though, that he's worried Fox will find out about what's been going on and wants to tell him before he finds out some other way. Uh, Reed scoffs. Um, he, he basically says Tripp should avoid her advances, uh, since he's seen Phlox get mad before and it wasn't pretty. So. Apparently, Flox has quite a temper. Uh, back in sickbay, uh, Flox has given to Paul something that he says is not a cure, but should slow the progression of the Panar syndrome. Uh, he thinks that with the research that Dr. Uris has provided, that he can actually get closer to a cure than the Vulcan science directorate has, uh, which basically shows how little uh, research they're putting into Panar syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archer enters uh, sickbay and asks how useful this treatment is, uh, f- and Phlox fills him in. Um, <clears throat> Archer tells uh, the two that he spoke with the Vulcan doctors a few minutes before, and that they have decided uh, to recall to Paul. Uh, they plan to take her back to Vulcan uh, once the conference ends, uh, and he urges to Paul to tell them what happened uh, regarding the uh, the un the unprovoked or unwanted uh, mind meld. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul says that, you know, at this point she has the disease and in the eyes of the Vulcan mainstream, it really doesn't matter how she contracted it. She's got it. And it makes her kind of an outcast. Uh, Archer says that it actually makes a huge difference how she contracted it. And Phlox agrees. Um, but she tells them that she doesn't want to condone the prejudice and condemn the minority by basically, you know, saying, She's not one of them. So it still doesn't seem very logical to me. It seems very emotional, actually. The whole situation kind of does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Back to what you said earlier about the the um, the logic in this. It really does seem like the most non-emotional, logical thing to do would be to just tell them what happened and what's going on. Yeah, just lay out the facts. Yep, lay it out and let logic dictate what happens. Um, next up, we see Archer back down on the planet. He's looking for Dr. Orit and finds him. Uh, he basically confronts him and tells him he has no right to take to Paul. An argument ensues. Uh, Archer, I noted at this point, has gone full Archer. Uh, he's getting super preachy. <laughs> uh, he reveals that he's found a protocol, um, for the Council of Physicians, uh, that says basically to Paul is allowed a hearing uh, by the doctors uh, since uh, and a, a hearing specifically by Dr. Orat since he is the ranking medical officer in the region for Falcon. Uh, Orat says that this situation is not open for debate. Uh, and Archer says, where I'm from, everything's open for debate. And uh, this, <laughs> this uh, leads to Orat agreeing to conduct the hearing. Uh, back on Enterprise and Sickbay, Phlox is treating Mayweather, so we kind of get to see everyone in this episode, uh, even just briefly. Yeah, Mayweather uh, is very brief. Very, very brief. So, um, basically, Travis is being treated for a bruise he got while playing 
uh, a some sort of game down on the planet. He's always hurting himself doing extreme sports. Yeah, right? He's so extreme. If it's not rock climbing, it's a game that involves melons, apparently. Um... <laughs> Melon and melons and like cows or cattle or something. I don't know. So, anyways, this is all a setup for Trip to enter. Um, he enters and he asks to speak with Flocks alone. Uh, so they are left alone. Uh, Trip basically lays it out, tells Flocks what's been going on. Uh, Flocks then asks in a kind of weird voice whether or not uh, Fiesel has offered Trip a rose petal bath. Mm hmm. Uh, and he basically says, see, Flato says Trip would be a fool to ignore her advances. So Flox, he's, he's cool with it. Yeah, Flox is totally cool with it, those Nunobians. So, uh, basically, Flox says he d- basically doesn't care, and kind of ba- says, like, hey, if, if you don't want to, you know, accept my wife's advances, that's your loss. So, okay. I mean, if I were Trip at this point, I would be so creeped out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, still on Enterprise into Paul's quarters, uh, Archer enters, uh, and tells her that he spoke with Dr. Urat. Uh, he tells her about the hearing, um, but she says she has no interest in challenging them. Uh, he tells, uh, to Paul that she needs to speak for the minority. Uh, she says that she won't tell them how she contracted the disease. So it's, you know, it's, it's, but if, if people listening haven't, uh, caught on by this point, there's this, it's kind of like an allegory for assault against people. Yeah. It's, uh, uh actually, kind of, not even kind of, not even kind of. It's, yeah, it's very blatant. It's Enterprise trying to tackle a serious social issue, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're back on the planet at this point and they're having the hearing. Um, Archer argues to Paul's case, starts pontificating <laughs> in Archer style. Uh, at this point, uh, your Dr. Uris speaks out and reveals that to Paul was violated by, uh, the, the, the Vulcan guy who mind melded with her without her consent. Uh, and to Paul is not happy with this. Uh, so back on Enterprise and Sickbay, uh, Trip and Phlox are discussing the microscope as Fiesel enters. Uh, Phlox is happy to see her. Um, they're basically having some, some small talk, and I wrote down that Phlox is being really creepy about her and Trip. Uh, Trip, at this point, uh, is also obviously very creeped out and says he has to get, uh, back to the warp drive because it's getting hot. And Fiesel responds that she knows how that feels. And my note was gross. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, after this, uh, we're once again at Archer's quarters, uh, where he tells to Paul that Dr. Uris has been suspended for being a dirty melder. He doesn't say that part, but I wrote that in. Um, They said that he says, though, that the other doctors believed him. And that they're not going to recall to Paul. Uh, she wants to uh, contact Vulcan High Command to advocate for Dr. Uris. Um, Archer says that he didn't want to lose to Paul, so he's happy that Uris spoke up. Uh, to Paul says, perhaps this will encourage others to speak out. 
Uh, again, side note, unlike she did, or <laughs> unlike she was going to do. Uh, and Archer says, let's hope so, as the episode ends. Yeah, so as you've talked about as you're recalling the uh, story, um, it's about a social issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually pretty heavy-handed about it, uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's Panar syndrome is clearly supposed to be HIV or AIDS. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting episode in that it reminded me of an old Star Trek episode. Uh, old Star Trek is really about tackling social issues. Yeah. And uh, not, yeah. I mean, I... In a very, no, I don't know. I can't really get my thoughts together, but. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, it's it's kind of a heavy episode, but what I would actually say is that I felt it was a little odd to offset kind of this heavy um, this, this, this heavy storyline with this kind of weird, like, supposedly, I guess, kind of funny storyline with Fox's wife and Trip. I think they kind of needed that levity. You do? Mm. Yeah, in order to, uh, make the episode more palatable in general. Otherwise, yeah. it'd just be really heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. also, you could say that the Feasel trip storyline is kind of showing another alien culture's view of intimacy because yeah. the mind meld was so bad for Vulcans because they're like, Oh, you're intimately sharing emotions yeah. or something. Yeah. It's like super, super intimate. And the Vulcans are like, intimacy is horrible. Yuck. Gross. And then, yeah, you're right. You do see with the Denobulans, a totally different side to this. So you kind of see, you know, even though it's not ever just kind of directly stated, you see that there's definitely, you know, a- different alien species handle things different ways. Mm-hmm. And, and in this case, a completely opposite way. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point. I, I think maybe just in general, you know, maybe it's, you know, it's kind of like my, my love for like really serious sci-fi that, you know, I don't think serious sci-fi always has to be like super dark brooding, like the darkest depth of, of Battlestar Galactica or something. But, you know, I, I do think that there, there is definitely a time and a place for, you know, if you're going to tackle a, a serious, you know, a serious issue or like what is a serious issue in the sci-fi world that you kind of go all in and you just don't even, kind of have any levity but maybe i'm you know maybe that says more about my uh my state of mind (laughs) i don't know (laughs) but basically um no i mean you were so you said you were reminded of original series and that's yeah i hadn't even really considered that and that's that's right on actually um but i was actually even just reminded of of next generation i mean there were definitely episodes of next generation where you know they dealt with some pretty serious stuff and you know sometimes it was sometimes it was like a a an issue in human society that they were kind of trying to transform so they could make commentary on it, that it was some kind of alien issue. Mm -hmm. Um, But then sometimes they would have things that were clearly like, you know, not really based on any kind of specific problem in the real world, but they were definitely, you know, trying to have some kind of commentary on. Um, I would say that probably the biggest... The biggest knock against it, and is what you and I mentioned a couple of times while discussing it here, uh, is that it, it, her reaction to the whole situation, to Paul's reaction, kind of is, runs very counter to how we think a Vulcan would handle this kind of situation. I mean, logic, 
you know, would dictate that she would, the most logical thing to do would be to just be completely open about it and just kind of let the chips, you know, fall where they may and, and accept the outcome. Uh, but she clearly, I mean, I can't think there's any other way than to say she was being very emotional about it, about yes. the situation. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was a little out of character for her, but they are showing her evolve. Yeah. So I, I they haven't kind of come out directly and just said that she, her, her interact daily interactions for now we learn more than a year on Enterprise uh, have clearly had some kind of effect on her. Like, I think it's it's kind of past the point now where we're just like, oh, they're just not writing her as a Vulcan. It's like, no, I think they're trying to imply that she's a little more human than she'd like to let on. Right. Like, like she's clearly been affected by what's been going on. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I liked this episode. It, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's probably just me that I was just like, oh, man, this whole Fiesel thing is so creepy, you know? <laughs> Just being such like a prude for some reason, um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I thought you know this thought, just the very fact that they were you know trying to tackle kind of a serious issue mm -hmm. uh, was was interesting. Yeah, it was a nice uh, side diversion from mm -hmm. their usual antics on Enterprise. Yeah, and this was you know this episode was written by um, was written by Brandon Braga and Rick Berman and directed by uh, David Livingston. Uh, a regular of in the director's chair for next generation. So, you know, I guess it's not surprising that it was more of a next gen episode. Yeah. Definitely more in line with an older star Trek uh, episode. Yeah. Um, next time we're going to talk about cease fire and future tense. Right. So they're going to go to, um, REI and buy some, uh, some tents and go camping finally. Yep. Trip's going to love that. Uh-huh. Uh, hopefully yeah. it won't be too hot though. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, future tents, uh hopefully temporal cold war. Oh yes, finally. Bring it back. Yeah. It's about time. I mean, we're past the halfway point. It's about time. Oh, I thought that was unintentional. I regret <laughs> it immediately. Maybe you can go back and change it. There you go. Thanks for listening everybody and we'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Two nations. Both sides are responsible for what happens here. Willing to sacrifice everything for what they believe. The Vulcans must concede to Andoria. Unacceptable. What will be the ultimate cost for peace? Hold your fire! A timely new Enterprise event, Ceasefire. Next Wednesday at 8, 7 Central, only on UPN.